millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses your stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Today's topic, we wanted to be Billy Newman. For those of you who are too young to remember the old Lou Grant television show, let us take you back. It's the late 1970s in a Los Angeles newsroom. Lou was the boss, but Billy, well, she was the heart of the place. For both of us who were coming up at that point, that show meant a lot to us. It was the first time I think that I'd, I know for me that I'd seen a young woman, female reporter presented as a serious journalist. Um, you know, there was Mary Tyler Moore, but she was in TV. It just didn't, wasn't the same. Well, we should say that it was a spinoff. Lou Grant was a right. spinoff of Mary Tyler Moore. So the idea of like a strong female character started with, with Mary Tyler Moore, but Billy was much more of a badass. Yeah. Um, so Lane and I gathered some of our female colleagues, um, some of them are younger, um, they'd never seen it, to watch a couple of the episodes, and um, we wanted to see how it held up. And it was interesting. I mean, it, um, it was certainly dated in certain respects, but... I think it held up better than we thought, though. Yeah. You know, it, the, and the portrayal of the newsroom was particularly interesting, because it was... Other than the fact that nobody took notes, yeah, that was that was distressing. <laughs> it seemed nobody pulled out life, a, nobody pulled out a notebook ever. Yeah, yeah a whole hour long episode and no notebook. But uh, it, it still felt like real. It felt like the first few newsrooms I was in for sure. You know, the typewriters no. and the old K Pro computers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, one so, of the funniest takeaways was one of the girls who didn't realize suitcases never had wheels. <laughs> I loved that. There was that. We're teaching them about the 70s here. In case you all don't remember, in the pilot, Lou comes to interview for this job, and like um, he's talking to an old buddy of his for the job, and the guy says, oh, you know, i got to treat you like everybody else. And, of course, within five minutes, he's got the job. So, yeah, some things haven't changed. <laughs> anyway, l- uh, listen in, because we, we're going to have them. Uh, we recorded them talking about uh, cu- a couple of the episodes and what they saw, and it was a fun conversation. Okay, so late 70s newsroom in L.A., right? Was that too dark? Is that better? Okay. All right, this is, we're just going with episode one here. Do not know why there is a bluebird there. Not sure about <laughs> I'm that. here for it. <laughs> and do not know which button to push here. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Take a typing test? I mean, you know what I can do. Are you going to tell me that you have any doubts at all that somebody with my experience can't hold down a job in your city room? Lou, the job is city editing. Oh. Well, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I, I could handle that. I've been on the newspaper business for 10 years. Char- Charlie, I don't know half the machines you got out there. I think you can do it. Really? Sure. What the job takes more than anything else is leadership. You didn't tell me you were going to drop it. 
up there daring her to say something. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. You don't want to cause any problems. That's very nice, Billy. Very sweet. A very bad habit for a reporter to get into. Now, take Rossi. There's someone who doesn't care at all about other people's feelings. He's arrogant, pushy, abrasive, obnoxious, uncaring, insensitive. That's what makes him a good reporter. Come on, Lou, you're making me blush. I like it. Oh, wow. Incredibly accurate. Incredibly accurate. Yeah, in, in, in some ways it definitely was. But in other ways, other ways it definitely was not. No. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if yeah. they actually had, like, journalists consulted when they made this, or if they're just, like, going off of the idea of, like, what a journalist does. I think somebody would have said, hey, take a notebook and a pen. <laughs> right. The fact that no one, I think there was one scene where someone had a reporter's notebook, and other than that. It was taking down the security guards. Exactly. And it was so yeah. tiny. It was a very tiny notebook where you couldn't really fit a lot of Write writing. Write a lot, yeah. The newsroom was not much different from what that was when I got out of, out of school and started working in a newsroom. And, I mean, all guys on the city desk for the most part, right? And making, um, and the one girl in news. <laughs> there are a lot of women in the on the feature staff and the women's pages. And being secretaries. To the and being secretaries, yeah. It's interesting how they didn't make her, though, like, I don't know, a feature. I mean, you know, somebody who's covering you know, some sort of social scene or whatever. She was actually brought in a source, you know, and contributed to the story and mm-hmm. so forth. When you and I came to work at the Times, there were still women's page people. I mean, in 2000, not even 20 years ago, there were still people who worked for the women's page. The I just wrote an epilogue in 2000 from that. And, it, and they were, I mean, they even talked about it. I talked to her friends who used to work at the Times, and they talked about it in such a positive way. And, how wonderful it was, and then I called more people for the epilogue, and they were like, oh yeah, you know, that was a different time. That was like, when women, we put them in these sort of boxes where they only wrote for the women's pages, or only the society pages, or the, you know, philanthropic kind of topics, and other than that, or recipes, you know, things like that. It wasn't hard news, so. Um, So yeah, I I agree. It was, you know, the fact that she was was involved in this story at all. Mm -hmm. um, It's maybe different than other times other shows that and right. how they portray women from back then right i mean it had that legacy of mary tyler moore which was kind of the breakthrough like badass you know like throw your hat up in the city and take over so i think that makes sense that like the mm-hmm. the sequel to it would have some kind of badass woman so you know i got into my first newsroom in the late uh in 89 and i never felt like um somebody was holding me back or Somebody else could do more than I could do or anything like that. But I feel like the women that I came into the newsroom with with at that time were like that. They had fought for everything that they had gotten and um, just were different in some way, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm curious, like, you all have lived through this, obviously. So, like, how it's changed in the time that you've been here. I mean... I mean, to us, like, our experience is just, like, the past five years or so, and, and we definitely see those inequities, but have you seen growth over that time since, like, 89 when you came into your first newsroom? I don't feel like I was ever held back because of my sex the whole time um, that I was a journalist, at least that I could perceive. Maybe something happened that I didn't know about, 
but I never felt like that. But I know the women before me, right before me, were held back um, for various reasons, and then were you know given opportunities later. Um, but but I I never felt that way. So I kind of feel in some ways like lame. Maria and I are possibly like the first generation, possibly that didn't. Or the transition. The transition generation. I, I felt some of it. I I mean I I had an internship where the the women went to features and the men went to metro and it was like mm. and you know having to fight that and it's like um and i when i my first full-time reporting job i was only the second woman who didn't have to do obits as part of her job and when the editor said that and he was very proud of that i thought what a fucking dinosaur i mean like you know what a crazy thing to walk in and be proud of but but they were proud of that. They were proud of like making that transition. So, but yeah, but I think it was the generation right before us that really had to deal with a lot of crap. Like I, my first job, I covered cops, courts, city government, and county government, and it was all and took photos. I was a photographer for the paper too, and I took out the garbage and made half tones. Um, and so, um, but like I was given just as much responsibility as anybody else at the paper, and there did was the guys no. Take out the garbage too. They they did they did what every you, you know. Look at what kind of like show. utopia newspaper. Well, no, I think that's the big difference. Oh, yeah, show the news. Oh, There's a lot more women in management now. That yeah, like when you all started, up. were women in management? My well? boss was an editor, Katrina Elskin. Well, she was. And then I got you, and then your boss, Chaotis, the editor of the paper, originally was a woman. There was usually one woman on on a metro desk or something, and then started to change but it I mean that's fluctuated too I mean I think I mean there there are some days where if you went to the morning meeting and a couple of us are are out um it could be all male I mean there's the numbers are still still more I mean they think women have been coming out of journalism school more than men for the last 15 years but I don't know that women stay in the business at the same rate as men do I think women take off and go do other things. Yeah, it seems like the bigger issue now is retention mm-hmm. and like keeping keeping women. I feel like too there's a difference in sources. I felt like like mm-hmm. our sources were much less respectful back in the eighties or nineties mm-hmm. of women. I was very dismissed by the cops, the city councilmen, the commercial fishermen, the tourism board people were like I mean I remember, I remember getting called out at one meeting like, Oh, doesn't she look cute today in the back with her new little hat on or something? And it was like I'm here to be a reporter, you know. I mean, it was. I think it was harder to be taken seriously as a young woman then sure. than now. I tried yeah, yeah, even coffee with a cop once, and I'm like pretty sure he thought I was like asking him out on a date, like, and like we. I don't know. It was very strange. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. But he was very, like, you know, skeptical and like, well, why? And blah, blah. I'm like, I don't, I just want to, like, keep up with you. And it would, it, I don't know. I just got a vibe that he thought it was, like, that I was being inappropriate, which was weird because I'm like, I'm just, like... I'm just trying to like 
get a coffee with you and like keep up and Work my beat baby right <laughs> and, and if you were a man like, it would be totally different right totally he different wouldn't have thought anything of it yeah, yeah. and there's i mean bethany barnes did that panel at ire about like sourcing well female and like you know there are men male reporters who are like oh yeah just go get a drink we all just get drinks like and it's like no no, like, no, <laughs> like, I don't know. That's not, I mean, I've never had a bad experience with it, but it just feels in, like, I don't know. It just feels inherently like not like a situation I want to put myself in. I agree with what Lane was saying though. Like just cause it's later in time now, like I've had male sources say things about my appearance or mm-hmm. Like, hit on me or something. And or underestimate you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. that's helpful. Because it is. They, it's sometimes it's good if yeah, they don't take you so seriously. They yeah. just tell you more. Or, or, like, you remind them of, like, their daughter. I mean, like, I had a source try to set me up with his grandson and was showing me pictures. So what's the what's the TV show or movie that where you've seen a reporter portrayed that feels most realistic? Spotlight. Spotlight. Yeah. yeah. That one's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like it stuck to the journalism and everybody she didn't was like... She her shirt. She didn't like... Yeah. Right, it was about the work. Yeah. It's truly it so, so hard simple, you know? to find an accurate portrayal of a female journalist. It's really hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. Think, I think that's like one of the only ones. Well, I think, you know... When Maybe you... we should write one. Well, I was going to say, well, like... Maybe a TV show. So you were... I was in high school when this show was coming out and there weren't a lot of women in news... There were women on the women's pages, and there were women writing, you know, puff pieces and that kind of thing. But so the character that comes on here, Billy, she really, I mean, she's, they just, they treated her very, I mean, she just held her own, and she wasn't, you know, I I can't remember how often they, they had episodes where anybody was sort of reacting differently to her because she was a woman, but they didn't. I don't know, it was just, you just didn't see that. You just didn't see at that point in our lives, you didn't see female reporters on TV ever. And newsrooms were kind of like that too. There'd be one woman or two women in Metro. And, uh, you know, the rest were off on the women's pages. My first newspaper, the Okeechobee News, had, I think, three women and one male. And he was sports. Mm. But the editor was a woman. The assistant editor was a woman. I was the reporter. And then that sports reporter who did other beats plus sports. And he was the only male. Well, did you did y'all know you wanted to like what I guess what was it like for you growing up like being a teenager and a college student wanting to be a reporter like did and did you feel like it you were like represented and or that you even could yeah or, yeah when yeah. I went to the University of Virginia they had a um, college newspaper since eighteen nineteen and I graduated in nineteen eighty nine so how many years is that a lot uh, a lot I was <laughs> like the second female editor of the paper ever in all those hundred wow. and something my other years. Like, there weren't Marie Joyce. There, there was, was she the first? Mm-hmm. Was she? Oh, she was. Cool. She worked with us in Virginia. Yeah, there'd never been a female editor of the paper before. Well, how did you feel, though, coming up? I I was running against the guy who was the sports editor. We, we ran for editor-in-chief. We had an election of our 120 people staff, and we had all night long. 120 people? On our college paper, yeah. That's like how big our newsroom is right now. And we didn't have a journalism <laughs> advisor. We were all students, like monkeys running the zoo. There was oh no grown-up in there because it was all independent. people. And it, was this, it got to be this really cantankerous like election between me and the sports reporter, and it really came down at like 4 in the morning. We were neck and neck, and it seriously was like girls against the boys. I mean, it was wow. so weird. In, it was in 1988 when I got elected. And, uh, so you won. 
I think one of the things that's changed is that women are better to each other than they were when we were coming up. I think it was it was uh, even that that generation right before us had, had really put up with a lot of shit and weren't really very good at at mentoring the next generation of women because it kind of felt like oh well you're going to have an easier time than I'm going to have. Look how hard I worked to get here. Exactly, and and so I think that's changed a lot. I had no mentors ever, like except for male editors that worked with me, you know, as I was going up. But I never had a mentor that I looked to. Um, through the years, Except, I, had, I had men, I had male mentors, I had men who, white men, who you know, first guy who hired me, his name was Robert E. Lee Baker. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did you have female mentors? Not till I got Maria. Okay. I was really lucky. How old was that when I met you? Thirty. Yeah, in our ninety, in the, in the late nineties. Yeah. How empowered do you guys feel? What do you mean? As right women, now, like right now, as women in this business, how empowered do you feel? I think generally, like, pretty empowered. I mean, <laughs> like, looking at it, I know, I'm like, I'm so confident. Yeah. I mean, say, I don't feel held back in any yeah. kind of any way. substantial times, way. When I, I remember it, when I was an intern, um, I, like, had this crashing moment of realization where I was like, oh, like, there's, like, this whole contingent of male reporters and male editors who are, like, celebrated here in a way that, like, the women aren't. What I've always seen be true, though, and I, I don't know if you guys have this, but, like, that, the way that Rossi behaved, that kind of behavior, that's sort of, like, I, I'm the best, and I, I, you got it. I'm not going to go chase this thing because, of course, I'm on to a bigger story. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, you need to give me this time and attention. This sort of, like, that entitlement... I mean, I've seen that my whole career. I'm sure you guys have too. Oh, there are some I can't people. Imagine saying that too. I know. Yeah, entitlement is something that has been consistent. It's not something women are as comfortable with. You know, it's rare to see, a, a, especially a young re- female reporter, act like that. Because, but you see a lot of male reporters act Absolutely. like that from the get go. I mean, yeah. yeah. Leo, you're. Oh, sorry. No, I was just. You, you're saying you, you're. Talking about like promoting yourself, and that's never been like your strong suit. I do feel like that's an inherently like, f- like f- in a lot of ways like female quality. I just love, when I first when I first started working right here, one of the conversations we had was when she was talking about her insecurities and still as a writer and, and everything, and, and she says the Pulitzer helped a little, <laughs> a little, a little. A little. <laughs> what? I that's can't like, remember. A little. It helped my confidence. Is what I said. I, I don't a know. Little. About that. I don't remember that. <laughs> I mean, I in high school for me when I was working at like the Tampa Bay Times teen paper, there was like I had worked on it a whole year before my male friend joined, and then he wrote a small story and and posted about it, and all of our friends were talking and saying, "Wow, this is amazing!" and whatever, and like people didn't even know that I was on staff because I just sort of wrote and didn't talk about myself, and I got so angry at him, but then I realized like if. I'm not going to say something about my work if I'm not going to promote it. Like, I don't know if anyone else is. And, like, you just have to sort of learn to... I mean, there's, like, a line that you kind of have to cross because you don't want to sound like you're bragging. But, like, if you're excited about what you're doing, learn how to share that with people. But Mm -hmm. I think it comes so naturally for men. And, like, as women, we're sort of conditioned to take up less space. And, like, it's something that I think, like, we have probably thought about, like, when we're, we're tweeting and stuff. 
like you're, you boys are both really good at sharing your work, but I'm sure it didn't come naturally in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've talked to Catherine about this a little bit, just like a personal voice on Twitter. Like, I always tell Catherine she's really good at that, but like that's something that's hard for me, and I, I don't know if that's necessarily where you were going. No, it is. Promoting yeah. your work too, but just like feeling like you can like put yourself out there in, yes. in these ways. Um, I, I mean, I would say that that probably comes easier to men than women. Mm-hmm. Too. Yeah. In general, when Lane, Ben, Michael, and I were on a, a little a team, right? There was four of us essentially. Lane and I used to talk about how we were kind of motivated by insecurity. I hate to say that, but it's true. Like we killed ourselves so we wouldn't suck, or at That's least like I would. Literally, why I get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. yeah. So, and the guys were motivated by confidence. Like their success came from their obviously their talent. Plus their confidence. When they were really good about building their own kind of like cult of personality, you know, that started with Gang Grey, and uh, all of a sudden it grew up all the boys. I mean, I don't know why that was became a, it was never intended to be a gender thing, but all the, the, the Ludowicy conferences and the, you know, the, the things on Gang Grey almost were all young guys that sort of came up wanting to be part of that. You know what I mean? Do you guys want to watch one more episode? Sure. Okay, if you have a question for Lane or would like to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Marta Asenio Ryan. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. This could be part of it again. I feel like I'm in touch with things. Getting back on a newspaper is like, uh, it's like being with a woman who doesn't shave her legs. That's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Reality. Maybe you don't like it, but it's real. (laughs) Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.